Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I'm your host, Diane Gibbs, and I am joined by my friend Ryan Hamrick. I used to stalk Ryan on Facebook and Instagram, and then I just asked him to be on the show, and I think this is like the third or fourth time you've been on, so I'm super Certainly, excited yeah. to have you, you back, and maybe one day we'll get to meet in person. As you're doing yes. all this traveling, I, I think maybe one day. So if you're new, you can go ahead. There's this chat. You can actually make sure it says to all panelists and attendees, and you can actually talk to us. I will try and see if I get these questions answered. So if you have a question, and then I have some questions that I've prepared too. So Ryan, just in case somebody doesn't know, uh, and you are in the car right now, you are not driving, your wife is driving, your kids right. are in the back seat. You are on uh, the Curves Ahead tour, right? But just in yep. case somebody doesn't know who you are, and I, I will do a screen share while you um, tell this so that people can see some of your work. And okay. then that way people kind of get an idea of who you are. But tell us how you got into, because you didn't necessarily study design, um, how you got into lettering, a little bit of a background. Sure. Uh, so my name is Ryan Hamrick, and I am currently based in Austin, Texas. Um, I am in Denver right now, which we'll get to in a little bit, I'm sure. But um, so, yeah, I just uh, about six years ago or so, I kind of decided out of nowhere to pursue a design career. Um, and I had had a little bit of background playing around in Photoshop and designing bad logos for friends and family and stuff uh, along the way. But uh, it was really app design and um and doing some UI work and stuff that kind of got me in the door of design. And then it wasn't too long after that that I discovered um, the amazing world of lettering and uh, decided to try my hand at it. And the rest is kind of history. Just kind of taught myself and through a whole lot of trial and error, got to a point where I could make a little bit of money doing it. So, um, yeah, here we are. Which is terrific, right? Um, yes. Absolutely. But you really worked it. It wasn't like it was just like, oh, I'm going to do this. I mean, you really practiced. You were really passionate about it. And and you were doing app design. So there was that connection. But there's so much that goes into that kind of side. So it was a, a lot of the same sort of thinking. And you were um, you had done sales. You had done a lot of other stuff. So selling for necessarily yourself wasn't um, sometimes as a designer, that's a really hard part. And so sure. I think that it wasn't maybe as hard for you because you had already kind of understood how to do this and, and make a living selling somebody else's things, right? Right. Yeah. I um, worked for six or seven years in, in wireless retail management, um, managing salespeople and selling cell phones and stuff myself. Um, and, you know, a big part of sales is selling yourself, you know, and selling the relationship and, you know, gaining trust with the customer and, and all that. So, you know, in a lot of ways that kind of translates pretty directly into selling yourself as a, as a creative talent and selling your design work and your ideas and stuff like that. So, so yeah, that was um, a big, a big part of probably why I was successful fairly early on in, in this stuff too. So. So normally you're kind of, you stay at, or you were a stay at home dad and you were, you were working, you're freelancing, you're working. All, and so your kids, why don't you introduce them again? Jason said, why does me introduce them again? So introduce everybody because you are not driving, your wife's driving and you're in Denver. Right. Yes. I've got my kids back here. I've got Lyric. She's nine years old and Benton, he's 12. 
and my wife, my beautiful wife is driving here. Um, and she's, she doesn't yeah. love driving in towns. So <laughs> try and introduce her as few more times as possible. Here, so. But, um, yeah, she's uh, being an awesome trooper and, and holding down the, the wheel here while I talk to everybody. So, so you guys yeah. are doing something different this summer. This isn't something that you've done in the past. If you've gone on a trip, you've gone just like a regular one week vacation or something. Right. So tell us about, and, and I believe Brooke's actually doing, she's working for herself also this year. She right. went uh, um, solo, right? She quit her full-time job. She was doing this on the side. So mm -hmm. you just have this family of hustlers, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, for the last uh, little over a year, we've been a fully self-employed household. She runs a clothing boutique out of our house. Um, and she's a, a LuLaRoe retailer, which is a California based clothing company that, um, just kind of like a direct sales company. And, and she has a huge inventory that has, you know, basically turned our, our front room of our house into a, a store and, you know, people come by and shop and she does a lot of online business as well. And we just figured this summer that since we, both work for ourselves and can kind of work from anywhere in a lot of ways. Um, why not work from everywhere? <laughs> and we decided to, you know, keep the kids out of summer camps and stuff this year and, and do this crazy tour around the country and, and kind of make a little money, see a few sites um, and, you know, kind of teach the, the kids about entrepreneurship and, and all that fun stuff and, and, you know, see some of the places that we've been dying to see and meet some of the people we've been wanting to meet as well. So she's got customers all over the country and I've got uh, friends all over the country, a lot of them I've yet to meet and yourself included. Um, so it's, it's good to get around and, and meet some people. Um, and I've been wanting to start teaching workshops for, for lettering for years now. So it was kind of a great excuse to just dive in head first and, and make it happen. So you guys decided this when, when, like in January, like, cause like summer camps, you got to sign up for, right? and you'll have to yeah. give me Brooke's link so that I can add that to your show notes just in case. Cause I think Maria's like, yeah, they have awesome leggings. So <laughs> yes, they do. And people will go nuts over them. Um, but yeah, hers is shopwithbrooke.com. We'll take you to everywhere. It's important for her. So, okay. Um, that was a simple one. Um, but, so when did we decide to do this? Well, so I was kind of, I had the idea um, probably at the end of late, uh, end of last year to kind of create the idea of a workshop tour um, and just kind of like send a bunch of emails out to local AIGAs and all that and just see who is interested and um, kind of make it a big thing and just travel individually to each place um by flying to them what have you and then at some point in probably march or so um you know it was coming time like you said to start thinking about getting everybody registered for summer camps and stuff like that um and brooke actually had the idea why don't we just not do that and make it a whole family thing and then we can bring my inventory around and we can um you know make it a, a big a whole big deal with with everybody and do her things in each place and my things and and make it a big ordeal and that was kind of it and late april i think is when we finally announced it and made it official and committed ourselves to all to all this so yeah. so so on the webs on your website ryan hamrick 
H-A-M-R-I-C-K.com. You could go and you could sign up. Um, you're like, hey, host a, host a workshop, right? Mm-hmm. How, what was the process and how did you get um, the word out? You put, I'm on your newsletter, so I got a newsletter. And then what else did you do? Because And this is way on down the road uh, or down in the questions. But I was just thinking about for other people who are doing or wanting to do something similar, maybe they do paper cutting or something else. And, you know, what else could they do marketing-wise? How can they learn from you and what you did and what worked? Well, um, originally what I did at first was reach out to um, local AIGA chapters in each, each town and kind of um, – try and gauge their interest and see if they'd be interested in helping to promote slash host and um, help me find venues and stuff like that. And, um, and that got me a, pretty far along. Um, it was, they, they do these kind of things a lot of the time anyway. So I figured they would be the best places to really connect to the, to the local design community in each place and, and, um, and kind of be a good jumping off point for that. And so, um, those are the people I reached out directly. Some of the places, um, once I announced the, the whole tour and everything, reached out to me um, themselves. Like in Chicago, for instance, the Society of Typographic Arts is, um, has been coordinating and, and lining up everything, promoting and everything, and um, they've done awesome. And <clears throat> that's actually currently the, the biggest, uh, biggest attendee list so far. Um, some of them are, are kind of just getting started with, with promoting and stuff and could end up being really good too. But, um, but Chicago has been huge for that reason. And she reached out to me on day one, um, saying that she would love to help plan and stuff. So, um, yeah, a lot of word of mouth and a lot of, um, you know, tapping into the, the design groups like AIGA and creative mornings and stuff to kind of, um, use their networks to, to spread the word and, and get things going. So. Cool. All right. So, I think I know the difference now, but you have workshops and pop-ups. Are pop-ups Brooks and workshops you? Yes, correct. Okay. And they're they're always on different days, um, so we can help each other out with those. And because uh, <laughs> it's it's a lot of work for each of them. The kids and and Brooke have been awesome and kind of have setting up the workshops down to a science here, and and they're really fast at that. And um, you know, for the for the pop-ups, it's a it's literally unloading a trailer with 1500 pieces of clothing um, into someone's house in a span of about a half hour and getting it all set up on racks and stuff for, wow. for shopping. So um, yeah, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. So you are, so right now you're not pulling a trailer cause I can see out the back of the car, right? Sorry, you cut out. Are you, you're not pulling a trailer right now, right? Oh, boogers. Are uh, you pulling a trailer? We're in, apparently we're in a bad area. Uh, <laughs> I not can at the s- moment. We are okay. detached from the trailer at the moment. Okay. That's what <laughs> I was saying. <laughs> That's all I was saying. Yeah. We get rid of it in any chance we can um, because it's uh, it definitely a whole new kind of nightmare to try and maneuver that. Um, I had to parallel park it in downtown San Francisco <laughs> for the San Francisco event and that was no fun for sure. It was very stressful. And I bet. I'm totally new to driving with a trailer and so is she and it's um yeah, it's been quite the learning experience. So I may actually have her hold this at me while I park the truck um somewhere here because it's kinda of crazy in Denver too, actually, as it turns out. And we don't even have the trailer right now. So 
It is. Um, and I have a big truck, so it's like, it's not easy to park as it is, especially right. when you're not used to driving it. Like I have to back in everywhere pretty much. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so if I have to like shift you around a little bit, bear with me. No problem. We'll be flexible, Ryan. I just feel like I'm in the car with y'all. So Will, yeah, Will asks, is there a way to see more than the next three stops on the website? He was looking at curvesaheadtour.com. Or are there only three stops left? No. Um, if you, There's a, a link at the top of the page in the, in the navigation. Um, if you're looking from mobile, then you may have to open up a, a hamburger menu or something. But there's a workshops page that has all the workshops listed there. And then the links to the ticket sites are through there. I'm, I'm ticketing through a site called Ticket Leap. And um, they've been really awesome. They, they pay out every week, which has been really good for me and getting, getting funds ahead of time. Um, but, um, That's great. Yeah, good to so, know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like Eventbrite, I think um, I couldn't figure out any way to really get any, any money before the events are over, um, which was kind of like a, a deal breaker for me because, um, you know, we're leaving our house and, and kind of need to keep our bills paid and stuff while we're on the road and stuff. So getting that money regularly was, was a pretty important um, deal for us, but, uh, but yeah, so that page, um, or if you just go to curvesaheadtour.com slash workshops, that'll also go to the full, the full list page. So I, I think Maria shared it, but I just wanted to make sure people knew. Cool. I wanted to make sure just in case somebody else isn't able to read the chat and they're just listening in. Cause I know Anne's driving as well. So she's just listening. <laughs> so, um, so ticketleap.com is what you ended yeah. up using. Okay, good. Good to know. So those are all awesome things. So it's not too late. So is tonight's no. Denver um, workshop closed or is, could people still sign up today? Yeah, not closed. Um, as far as I'm concerned, if you want to sign up right into the thing, then I'm good with it. Um, their app has a fun thing where, um, I mean, anybody that's currently registered can will show up in there and we can, you know, check in right from the app and stuff. So um, if you're in there before the event starts, then you can be checked in. So not too late. So Brian asked if there's, are you adding any tour dates along the way? Because it's 40 days. You guys are gone right. 40 days. So you really had to kind of, unless it's on the way, are you adding any cities along the way? We are not. Um, so I had quite a bit of, uh, outreach from places not on our schedule, um, places like uh, Rally um, and Mobile, Alabama. Um, gosh, uh, Seattle even reached out to me literally the day after we took it off of the schedule. Um, things like that. And so what I'm doing is to go out individually to those places and do the workshops, same ones that we're doing uh, on this trip. Because, you know, like you said, we're, we've scheduled this thing, we've kind of um, figured out the one way that it would work. <laughs> and then, you know, we just kind of have to pick the date for that place and just do whatever it takes to make it happen on that date at that time. Right. So, um, you know, even if we're passing through cities that are super interested and want to do anything it takes to add it, we don't have the time because everything is you, based on the last one. You, you have know? to, it's, you have to get to the next city. Right. Yeah, right. We have zero wiggle room pretty much anywhere um the only one that that could be flexible was indianapolis because we're staying in fort wayne indiana where most of our family lives um for about a week uh in the middle of the trip for visiting family and kind of taking a little bit of a break in the middle there and um and so i i'm driving down to indy by myself well with my mom actually as it turns out which will be fun 
Um, but uh, that was kind of the only one that had a little wiggle room because we were kind of in one place for a little while. But other than that, everyone depends on leaving the last one at the right time and, you know, very little room for for error at all in travel. So right. um, no new dates, but I'm definitely um, scheduling things for, for later in the year for any other places that are not, aren't on the schedule that want to help host something, um, any AIGA members or um, chapters that are interested in places that we're not we're not coming to necessarily now, you know, can definitely set those up for later too. That's great. Cause mobile is me and Jason Frosthall yeah, and, yeah. and Jen who's here too. So a bunch of other people I think would love to have you in mobile awesome. too. So yeah, I'd love to come. So what's, what would it, what was required when you were scheduling? So you announced in April and then people, you said on the website, Hey, let us know if you want to host an event. When did you kind of set the, the tour schedule and when, like, when was the day you cut Seattle out? Like, not that you were, didn't love Seattle, but you, you couldn't, you'd already cut them out. Right. Yeah. Um, well, so we just, like I said, we kind of had to figure out the one way this could work um, mm -hmm. around, you know, other things happening at home, like kids going back to school and so on. So once we kind of figured out, um, the most ideal schedule. Um, we just had to make it happen. Um, and we had all that figured out before we even announced anything. Um, so we didn't have even a lot of the details figured out for individual locations. In fact, I'm still figuring out a lot of the details now. You rock. Let's have a round of applause for my amazing wife finding a parking spot in downtown Denver. I love you. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm the city driver for sure, um, and, you know, very stressful, but let me unplug here out of the car. We're going to get out and walk around, so you get to see the sidewalks Yay. of Denver. I don't even know where we are at this point, but we're going to check some fun stuff out here. Everybody got everything they need? I'll figure it out. Here's your purse here. All right, <clears throat> getting out of the car. Um, so, yeah. I think Seattle changed um, maybe two or three weeks after um, we officially announced everything. Um, it was, we were trying to figure out if we could maybe have it hosted at um, Amazon there. I've got a couple friends that worked there and still work there. Um, and, you know, just it's, it's tough when you're trying to coordinate something this huge with this many moving parts and in different places. Um, I'm literally communicating an email with 20 plus people. What's that? What's that? Oh. Okay. Thanks for the heads up. Um, we just Street sweeping today? something i guess i don't know um okay so bob said he has to go but he says he'll see you in a few weeks ryan Hi, so he, it was always good to uh see you he said all right so you're in you're two weeks in what has yes. been i mean and your kids are 12 and 9 so they're pretty self-sufficient what's right. been one of the hardest things because this is two entrepreneurs mom and dad and then you're both right. doing your own thing so like as a parent, what's been hard for the kids? Well, um, you know, we, we tried to build in some extra time for doing different sightseeing stuff and doing very, um, very local stuff. Like um, we're in LA, we made a day to go down to, we went to Venice Beach 
and spent the morning out there and had some really good uh, food right off the beach there. And so that was really fun. Um, San Francisco, we actually ended up not having a ton of time to do anything there because all the hotels were sold out. And the one that we found was like 300 plus a night. So Whoa. Um, yeah, we kind of rolled into town and rolled right out afterwards. <laughs> but <laughs> so I didn't get to spend as much time there as I would like um, and do fun stuff. But we did get down to like Pier 39 there and checked out some of that fun stuff, had some good lunch down there and took some pictures. And of course, um, the Golden Gate Bridge was completely consumed by fog the entire time we were there and couldn't see it but um but yeah i mean we're trying to do things like that locally to keep things interesting and keep it um fun for them um they're awesome help at our events but uh at the same time you know those aren't necessarily inherently a lot of fun for a nine and twelve year old so um the first one in phoenix my my daughter was was super into it and was drawing and stuff the whole time but um, you know, I think anybody at any age would get a little bored of seeing the same exact workshop happen over and over again. So understandably, that's, that's a little bit boring of a, of a portion of the trip. But, um, you know, they've got their computers and iPads and stuff in the truck. And um, my son is, is super into rapping and making beats. So he's been making beats in the car on his little, um, his little MIDI controller and stuff. And cool. My daughter's been catching up on movies with the iPad. So um, maybe, they're doing maybe that kind of fun stuff. He can do some of the beats for the Curvecast because you yeah, got some exactly. nice music in that one. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I produced that stuff there and I, I literally haven't taught him much of anything. It's really funny how your kids kind of um, just become you. <laughs> totally like out of your control um like i was always really big into dancing and and i was a, a rapper for a long time um, before my um family started pretty much uh and like producing that kind of music and stuff so uh, but i didn't like say hey you should get into this stuff you should be a dancer or you should you know you should rap like it's in the it's in the the family genes or anything like that. he just kind of did it on his own so that's um, cool yeah it's it's funny how it works but yeah he's super into that stuff so he's keeping busy with that and um you know other than that it's just a lot of uh you know we kind of set out at the beginning of this trip and and said you know so there's going to be a lot of a lot of hard work involved with this this whole trip and um a lot of fun too and we just kind of kind of deal with one to get to the other and and use it as an opportunity to do some maturing and, and some learning and stuff and, and, and have a fun, but, you know, productive and learning filled summer. So it's um, been pretty well received so far, but again, we're two weeks into an almost six week trip. So right. <laughs> keep <it> going. <laughs> so how are you dealing with client projects? Are you still taking on client projects at this time? Are you setting aside time? Cause I think that would be one of the hardest things to do. Right especially because you know you're doing Brooke stuff you're doing being dad you're doing your workshops how do you how do you keep up with all that it's tough um i i've kind of whittled down um, most of my client work for the most part uh, on this trip i do have one thing that i that came along right right near the end of um our planning and getting ready to leave uh phase but and I, it was it was something that I, I had to kind of sleep on a little bit and kind of think about whether I should take it on or not. Sorry, loud garbage truck. Uh -huh. 
I had somebody reach out to me to and ask me to do an original piece of art for a wedding proposal um, or a marriage proposal, if you will. Um, and so they're based in New York City. And um, I decided that it was enough of an honor to be asked to do something like that to just make it happen. So along this trip, I'm going to be um, producing this hand-painted uh, piece of art for a marriage proposal that's happening sometime uh, in August or September or something like that. And the plan is to get it done in time to deliver it in person in New York. So oh, nice. I've got until August 5th essentially to get that one done otherwise i don't really have a whole lot going on um right now i've kind of um wound everything down pretty well uh, before we left and um and so if things come along you know i'll kind of gauge them as they come but um as it turns out the, the less i'm promoting myself and um, work that i'm doing the less inquiries come in so um if i'm not actively uh seeking work for anything which um, you know, or promoting work that I'm currently doing, then, you know, it kind of stays pretty light on the, the incoming trickle. So um, just kind of focusing on sharing this, this whole workshop stuff and then doing that and um, making them the best they can be to, to keep the income going for now. And then uh, when we get closer to home, I'll probably start ramping up, uh, you know, efforts to try and get some work going before we get home so I can kind of hit the ground running again. So. Right. So with the workshops, are you – you know, providing the materials or are they supposed to come with the materials so that they can draw? Um, sorry, my son's in the street. Hey, down the street. <laughs> oh, it's a, uh, sorry, I'm looking for a street name. My wife had to go move the truck. Um, oh. It's Caithness. Caithness, if you want to spell it. Caithness and Zuni is where we are. I don't know. Kind of a residential slash something. Um, so anyway, workshop materials. So with lettering, um, I'm a big proponent and always have been that the tools don't make the letterer, if you will. Mm -hmm. And um, all you really need is a pencil and paper. So I have brought along several reams of printer paper, which is what I use about 95% of the time. And a couple pads of marker paper, which is what I use in, in place of uh, tracing paper. Um, mm -hmm. Tip I learned from my pal Ken Barber a few years back. Um, it's thin enough to to see through, enough to you know do your iterations and, and redraw things, but um, thick enough to you know be a little more substantial, have a little bit of tooth, and not roll up on you the moment any moisture touches it. So. Um, I've got those things and pencils and I've brought along some brush pens and stuff to play with. Um, but other than that, that's it. I mean, I'm showing a few things on the computer too, but, um, and people are welcome to bring in any favorite tools that they may have or their computer if they want to follow along with the vector stuff. But other than that, that that's, that's all it is. So it's very, um, very low investment and, uh, you know, pretty low maintenance for anybody that's been hosting and stuff. We kind of have everything and set everything up ourselves and, uh, my little family of four here can can knock out a 40-person workshop, as we proved in, in <laughs> San Francisco, in about you know a total of an hour on the front and back um, of setup and teardown. So we're pretty we're getting pretty good at this. How long are the workshops? So the way these are set up, I kind of set them up in two tiers. Um, 
or two sessions, I guess, rather two tiers of, of ticket level. But um, so two sessions, I, I wanted to kind of strike a balance between uh, ticket price and, um, you know, I had a, a dollar amount in mind that I wanted to make sure that I met in each place. Um, and getting there required a, kind of a very specific balance of um, how many people could come and how much the ticket prices were, because a lot of these have to happen on weeknights. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're dealing with a window between a typical workday and being too late to <laughs> have people out. Um, so that time frame for weeknight workshops has been about six to 10, um, which, you know, 10 o'clock is of course pushing it for, for some people. So, um, that's as late as we wanted to go, but because it's only that four hour window, here she comes down the street. Good. <laughs> Walking or driving? Walking. Okay. Luckily, apparently she found a spot. So, um, less stressful with us in the car, I'm guessing. Hey guys. Hey, come down here. Let's, let's go find uh, Mom's walking down the street on the other side of the road. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we wanted to, um, make the most of that four hours because it's not a very long workshop and I had to get to a certain dollar amount with the ticket sales to make each stop make sense. So in order to do that with a limited time, I wanted to make it available for more people. Um, so like beginners the right and advanced. So you have like a, you could do the whole four hour and that's one price or you could do session one or session two. Uh, kind of, yes. It's uh, So it's like a, a general session for the first two hours, um, which is $60. And then you can buy a ticket for both for $80, um, which is the full full four hours. You all right? Find a spot? Okay, good. Um, and so, but what happens is uh, a total of 50 people can come to the first, for the general session for the $60. So I figured um, a full two hour combination of lecture and workshop we do we do quite a bit of sketching in there and stuff um even though it's a little bit more general and a big group um so i kept that that value um, a little bit or that cost a little bit lower for those people and it's a larger group so there's a little less time for one-on-one time but we can Mm -hmm. cover a lot more and get a lot more people in and um and sell a lot more tickets and then for the for the extended part the capital session as it's called um the only 20 people can get access to those. So there's 20 of those tickets available and people can stay for the whole thing. And then that gives us a, another hour, hour and a half or so once everybody gets filed out from the first session to, um, to kind of dig a little deeper on a few topics, show some advanced techniques and get a little more access for one-on-one time and, and direct um, feedback and stuff on, on their stuff. So, um, so that's kind of the way I've set it up and, you know, all together, if those sell out, then that's an excellent, um, you know, dollar amount for, for me for these. And if they don't do as well in certain state, in certain areas, like in LA, we ended up with five people, you know, it was a more intimate, um, you know, pretty fun event but it's still. A great value yeah. for the people coming because it's yeah. really not that expensive and you're getting, and that it's still a small group. It's not like it's 300 people and it's, you know, you can't really get right because you could still talk to the people next to you if you can't necessarily get one-on-one sure. time with you. Yeah. So, and we've had so far, we've had plenty of time for, for questions and stuff and it's been, been good. So what have you learned about doing in-person workshops? Is there anything like, so I know one thing you had gotten, you bought was a specific camera that actually shows your hand. Cause I think with a workshop, 
that was something I, it must've been a, um, something you knew you were going to have to do. And then you played with it a lot. And that was, I think it was an Instagram poster or something. Yeah. Tell us about that. Cause that was something you did prep work to get, cause you knew you would need it, especially for 60 people. You need to show what your hand's doing and they can't all right. get around the table. Yeah. Um, I learned that trick from, from Ken Barber as well. Um, I was attending a workshop of his that he did it in Pittsburgh when I lived there and he had, um, just a, a tripod and a camera, I think, set up with a webcam or something. Um, it was pointed down so you could see what he was drawing. So for a larger group, you know, he could kind of switch back and forth between a, a keynote presentation and this camera. Mm -hmm. So you could actually see the sketching and stuff. And I really enjoyed that, that process and that, that setup. So I knew that I wanted to kind of recreate that a little bit as well. And, you know, every lettering artist has to have a good setup for videoing or video recording their lettering for process videos and stuff and this is going to be an excellent camera for, for that kind of stuff too so i found this pretty inexpensive camera on amazon it's 100 bucks and it plugs right into your computer with usb and it has awesome software actually that's available right on the app store on the mac app store um available on windows too i'm pretty sure but uh you can do all kinds of stuff from screencasting to um, split screening between like a, a still image and a recording and all kinds of fun stuff. So it's been great for, for these workshops and showing what I'm doing on paper when nobody can, or when not everybody can circle around me and actually watch, you know, obviously if there's 40 plus people in there, that's a little, it gets a little crowded. <laughs> and so it's well, in, inexpensive, but it's also pretty easy to set up too, right? Oh no, yeah. So easy. You plug it, you plug it in and launch the app and you're, you're good to go. And then, all you got to do is connect your computer to a projector or whatever, and you're set. It's really easy. So Anna wants to know, she's the one in Ithaca, what kind of uh -huh. venues are the workshops typically in? And that's really done by the the partner AIGA or Creative Mornings or whatever, uh, right? They are going to set up that. You're not having to pay a fee for the um, venues, are you? Um, so in most cases, uh, I'm getting help from the, from the local groups that are helping me. Um, in LA, for instance, uh, it just turned out that we couldn't get anything going with any of the groups. Um, a lot of the AIGA chapters uh, take the summer off completely, pretty much. So some of them were a little bit more willing to work with me anyway and helping. Others were just like, you know, they do tons and tons of events all year long and they just need right. a break. Um, so it just kind of depends on the, on the place. but um like in la for instance we ended up um holding it in a little joint art studio um that one of my friends out there matt gondek he uh used to work in the studio alongside a couple other artists and nice little space small but you know it was perfect for what we needed and um when i couldn't find anything else really to accommodate the big group and um didn't have a ton of help promoting there um we just ended up going with that space and it was perfect for the smaller group that we ended up having really intimate, had a, a big high table that we could all kind of crowd around and, and it ended up being perfect. I didn't even project anything. I just sat there and talked to them, which was pretty cool too. So that's nice. Uh, but yeah. In most places we're getting donated space from um, either design groups or companies in the area. Um, we're being hosted by Cotton Bureau and their awesome new warehouse space right. in Pittsburgh. Um, 
And let's see, well, in San Francisco, we were at a Google office um, right downtown there, which is really cool. And um, where are you tonight? Yeah, it just depends. Tonight we are at General Assembly in Denver. Um, Okay. So we've got a nice little space there. And uh, I think they're going to talk a little bit before for the workshop about General Assembly and stuff because they don't usually do events that aren't theirs, I I guess. But um, so that's going to be a good spot. And uh, yeah, a bunch of fun places. Sorry, I'm winded now. We're walking around. I know. It's uh, Jason <laughs> Brostholm. He said, how's that altitude treating you? Because it is. Uh, it really is different from Austin to go a mile high, 5280. Sure. It, um, <laughs> yes. And the constant talking doesn't really help, too, as you're trying to keep up with your kids and your wife, yes. right? Not my, not my typical um, environment, for sure. <laughs> right. What was the name of that camera so I can put it in a link? Oh, sure. Um, I think it's called IPVO. I don't even know if I pronounced that right. I-P-E-V-O. And um, it's like a Zig digital presenter camera or something like that. Okay. Um, okay. I'll I'll look it up. I'll find it and I'll put it in the show links. So so really you were marketing to designers or people who are in our industry already that are interested probably in lettering because uh, with Creative Mornings or or AIGA or other kind of um, art, related did you think at all about doing because it does seem like um a lot of other people are just like normal people that aren't us are just getting into this lettering thing now Mm -hmm. and so they're just like finding out how did you think about doing reaching out to that or is that maybe something you want to do in the future because this was kind of already a proven uh people um well it's, it's it depends on the on the location a lot because um for instance with the google one um I had just kind of finished up a project with, with that team um, and just kind of on a, in passing, I said, you know, Hey, I'm doing a workshop in San Francisco, such and such a date. Um, you guys have space there. Would you be interested in hosting it all? And um, the person that I had been working with on that project was just like, um, that sounds amazing. Let me check into it a little bit. And it took about two weeks or so. Um, but she came back, she was like, yeah, we're approved to use the space or whatever. And so I gave them a discount code um, on tickets for hosting for any of their employees and stuff. And that workshop actually ended up being mostly Google employees <laughs> um, from YouTube uh, to, uh, I don't know what all, what all teams are in the San Francisco area, but obviously their, their main campus is in Mountain View, just a little bit south of there. Mm-hmm. And so um, she distributed that discount code around and, and a link to the, to the whole concept and everything. And it kind of blew up from there. And I think we had like seven non-Google employees that came to that workshop. Wow. And the rest of like the almost 40 were, were all Google people from one team or another. So um, so in that case, it was a lot of people that probably are just generally design curious or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, picking up new skills, you know. And in other places, it's a little bit more focused on stuff. Like in LA, I think we had um, a couple of, actual lettering, art, lettering artists that were there. Um, and I don't know, um, let's see, in New York, so far, we still don't even have a location for New York. So if anybody's in New York and wants to, uh, to host. host us there, <laughs> uh, we got a couple of leads that I'm working on, but I, I got If I don't work on like three or four different things at the same time, then nothing will happen. So, um, but we already have about I think nine or 10 tickets sold for there, even without a location. Um, and six of them are all from Penguin Random House um, design team. 
So, you know, probably designing book covers there and stuff and yeah. could really use some of these extra lettering chops and stuff. So, um, so that's cool. And then those people are probably all, you know, working in this kind of field a lot anyway. Um, and we'll be, you know, excited to learn maybe a few new tricks or whatever. And I don't know, I, I kind of even lost the track of the question, but I mean, no. it's, it's all types. And um, I've been reaching out to local colleges and stuff and just kind of blasting the info out there to anybody I can come across that has anything to do with design in any way and, you know, seeing who's interested. So, so you never know who's interested in lettering. It's really uh, as a, a strong draw, no matter who you are, I think. <laughs> so two things. Krister says drink some water. That'll help. Yeah. You yes. want to stay hydrated for sure. You can bring him some water tonight, Krister. But yeah. um, but the other thing uh, is you also, I know this was on your podcast. So the podcast is pretty new. Um, when did you start it? And then you did a workshop with your uh, with Lyrics class. I think she's in yeah. third grade maybe, or now she'll go be in fourth grade. So Correct. are you doing anything like that? Because that seemed to be... Um, uh, it was a big hit. I thought that for, there's like a cricket sound and you're like, Oh, I guess you guys have a cricket. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. And then the cricket <laughs> comes back uh, later. Like you can really hear the cricket in another part of the um, thing, but you really kind of get a sense of, you know, that people don't regular people don't understand what we do. And we hear that all the time. They, they just don't get that. But as kids, they were really excited. And you really, me and you have talked about this before about that you're so passionate about so many people are not teaching, um, what do you, cursive writing anymore, right? Right. right. Yeah. So are you doing anything like that on this tour or what? Well, I guess there's no schools in session, but is that something right. like once you're, you're back home, is that something you would travel and do as well? I would love to. Um, that was a really fun experience. You know, like you said, it was it was cool to see how how engaged they were in that. I mean, <clears throat> I went there for like a career day thing as well. I don't know if I talked about that on that episode or not. Mm -hmm. but, um, a few months before that, I was there for a career, career day thing, and you know, it was a lot of um, there's a lot of doctors and stuff that, that have kids that go there and things like that, and that's all interesting to like us for sure, probably, but. Um, to the kids, maybe not so much. And um, and for me to, to come in there and share that I get to draw every day and um, make money doing that and work for cool companies that they're all familiar with and stuff. And yeah. that was, um, one it seemed kid, to be very, very interesting. <laughs> one sure kid was like, you make money doing that? Like they were shocked. It was such yeah. a great, I was glad you had some of that like recorded because that was such yeah. a, um, an interesting kind of perspective. So but that would be something that if people wanted you to come and to, because you were making it practical and right. you also talked about how you didn't like cursive when you were in the third grade. Right. And, but, but they actually kept doing, this was the last two weeks of school. So they didn't have a lot of new material they were covering. Right. So this was kind of like perfect um, for you to be able to come in and do something. So after testing or standardized testing, things like that, that would be a great time for you to come in. And after you left, you said on the podcast, you said it was that people kept, the kids kept, um, they looked at your website some more and then they kept just drawing. And so it was yeah. so that's huge that such an impact on, on a whole generation that maybe won't be taught. And you even talked about, you know, it would be really sad if they didn't know how to read what you were yeah. writing at yeah, that point, exactly. right? I think, you know, it, aside from the fact that it's a ton of fun to do this stuff and that you can be so much more expressive with, with script writing and stuff and, and just knowing how to do that as a skill is 
a great creative outlet for, for a lot of people, you know, obviously for myself and people that do it for a living, you know, it's a, it's a very fun and rewarding thing to do. But I mean, yeah, aside from that, even just, um, you know, not having people who know how to read it anymore is not good <laughs> not right. just for business, for, for people like me. And, um, you know, it's just, it's no fun. I mean, if everything is, is different variations of, you know, regular non-script fonts everywhere, then, you know, I mean, what, what kind of world is that? You know, so if, uh, if people can't read it, then the demand for that kind of work and that kind of beautiful opportunity for, for real art and, and regular everyday things like signage and whatever, you know, it's, it's gone. It's like, it loses all its value. So keeping that alive is, is definitely something that's very important to me and, and, um, and doing things like that. Um, I feel like are, are a great way to kind of keep the, the spirit of that alive and and um and the interest is definitely there you know people who are a little bit older than them um and maybe younger than us for instance who kind of grew up on technology and and see it as see this kind of stuff as a little bit outdated or you know don't see the the use in it um or what have you you know it's understandable you know if you if you come from learning this kind of stuff and then you're introduced with all of the ways that technology can make things so much more easier and convenient. Um, then it's, it's easy to understand why people will see this as like something that's doesn't really have a ton of value anymore or, you know, doesn't make sense to teach alongside typing skills and whatever. Um, but for these kids who have only known the, the digital side of things in a lot of cases, probably this kind of stuff seems a lot more fun and free and, you know, a, a big opportunity to do something a little bit more creative than just, you know, typing in, you know, distorted English and <laughs> whatever, like that stuff is all they know. So it's less interesting to them than people who see it as a, a easier way to communicate than doing, you know, the more analog stuff, you know? So it's kind of like a thing where it seems like it might be a little cyclical, you know, and we're coming back around to a time when, you know, people are kind of bored with all the, you know, advances in communication and want to get down to a little bit something a little bit more hands-on you know? so um yeah but even in the digital realm and i'm going to pull up i'm going to share your um procreate brushes you have these procreate brushes so everybody can see the screen now so you've made cool. these and they can actually purchase this they can actually get one for free if they tweet and i'm going to put that in the chat when i get it back up but the, it's um yeah ryanhamrick.com slash lettering hyphen brushes or dash if you're super young and you don't know what a hyphen is but um so it kind of <laughs> i'm gonna kind of <laughs> i'm gonna kind of go through these um i don't know if you can see them can you see them i can see them yeah okay great so you you've created these um 14 different brushes and it's 15 dollars. so it's really easy for people to go but then they're able to use technology this is my favorite, the folded pin. Is that it? Forded, folded, yeah. folded. I love that one yes. too, gel pin. It's just that it has such a range, you know? And then I think watching some of your videos, you can actually tell how to kind of get, um, how to use some of these. But again, right. it's bringing that technology, but then there's so much hand skill that goes into this that I think is incredible. So we're getting some questions. So I want to make sure that... Um, we get the questions. So do you want to tell them about the Procreate at all? Um, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I, I got an iPad Pro um, as soon as they came out a year and a half or so ago, whenever it was, almost two years ago now. Um, 
and I figured I, I had had an iPad Air for a little while, and you know it was kind of about time for an upgrade possibly, and it wasn't it was doing fine, but you know I could see myself getting an upgrade, and that was when they announced the iPad Pro, and I figured if anybody can really nail the tablet and stylus thing, it's probably going to be Apple. So um, I would love to try this thing out. If it's great, fantastic. If it's not as great and not much better than the Cintiqs or anything that I'm used to and have used before, then at the very least, I've got a killer iPad. So, you know, what it, what's, right. what's the harm? So I invested in that and I got it. And I'd say it took me about two weeks of really playing with it to really get the feel for it and to get used to drawing on the slick screen and stuff and, and figure out the pressure and all that. But once I did, I mean, it was just a total game changer for me. Um, just being able to have an undo button when sketching and like yeah. kind of trying to get a bunch of ideas out quickly was just so huge for me. And, um, and I was just using a lot of the, um, the basic brushes and stuff that came with, with Procreate, which is an excellent, excellent app for iPad um, of any kind of iPad. Uh, iPad Pro, you know, you get a lot more functionality with the pencil and stuff. But, you know, I, I was using that before on the other iPads too with other styluses or styli rather. And, um, and it's good with those two. And there's a lot of lot that can be done just with your finger even with that that app. So highly recommend that in, in general. But the um, the amount of depth you can go into with brush creation in there is as seriously a rival to like Photoshop brush creation. So wow. while it's handled a little bit differently, it works a lot of the same ways and you can really just get something super fine tuned and very specific. And so, you know, I, I knew from, from the get go there that um, creating some lettering specific uh, brushes would be mm -hmm. something that would be valuable and something that I would get a lot of use out of just creating them for myself. But then, you know, it's something that I could earn a little passive income from probably at some point. And, um, you know, it took me about a year and a half to finally get around to actually like tweaking them all just the way I wanted them and getting them um, ready for some kind of packaging for sale. And, um, but I finally made it a point this summer to actually get that done and get them out there or the spring, actually, I guess it was. It's been a little while now. But, um, but yeah, I tried to go in and recreate basically all of the favorite tools of mine that I use in analog and um, kind of recreate them and, and procreate so that I could use them on the iPad when I'm, you know, getting sketches out where something I would maybe grab a brush pen for to, to get an idea out or to try something to get a look that I was looking for that I had in my head. I could do that on the iPad now. And, um, and that was great. And so I got them kind of all tweaked just the way that I wanted them and got them about as ready as I could come up with to uh, to put those out there and then finally did so, so it's, creating, it's creating brushes similar to creating brushes like in Photoshop where you actually started with something analog and you scanned it in you got the texture or is it completely all made from just procreate so there's a couple different ways that I did those um, the first few that I created um, were kind of just highly tweaked and tuned um, versions of some of the ones that they had in there to begin with. Um, like my, one of my favorite ones that I could just call Tamarack ink because I yeah. couldn't um, put my finger on one specific thing that it was close to um, in analog. So that's just named after me. That's what it is. Um, I was trying to get there really because it was <laughs> there, this one. Yeah, that's the solid version. And then there's one with a little more texture that I use yeah, yeah. most of the time. Yeah, there it is. And um, so that one is basically just a, a really 
uh, tweaked version of one of their, their other brushes. I don't even know which one it is now, but um, just through tweaking the, the way that it responds to pressure and the, uh, the range that it responds to it, like how, what's the smallest, um, smallest size it can go to, what's the largest size it can right. go to, how much texture is there, how much jitter in your stroke is there um, from your actual drawn path, uh, things like that. And different combinations of tweaking those things got me to a point where I had this brush that was super versatile and, and great to use for like quickly roughing out, um, you know, fix and thins and stuff on a script. And, and then from there, you know, you can use that same brush and just use it a little bit lighter on the touch and it's a lot cleaner of a stroke. So you can clean up the edges with the same tool and stuff. So that one's super versatile and it's all based on one that was in there um, from the beginning. It's just, you know, fine-tuned to a very specific um, set of use cases that works for me and my my general process. Um, and then some of the other ones, uh, it is similar to Photoshop in that you have like a grain source and a shape source. So mm -hmm. those work together to um, form the actual way that the brush works. So some of those are grains and, and shapes that are found in the app themselves that you can choose from. Um, and some of them I, I totally designed from scratch. The folded pen one that, that you mentioned that you liked a lot is one of my favorites too. And it was actually like one that I put together kind of randomly at the very end of my process of trying to get it ready for, for sale. Um, I was working with a different one, trying to get a certain effect because I wanted to kind of flesh out my set with a, a few more styles of brushes. And then I tweaked one of my other brushes in such a way that was giving me an effect that I really liked. And I thought to myself, this could be really cool and very similar to the way a folded pen works with calligraphy. Um, if I kind of did my own texture for this thing and created a, a specific shape that would kind of leave these streaks in it at mm. certain pressures. So yeah. um, the, fat, the faster you move, um, the thinner it is, just like with a folded pen, like if you really scrape it across the screen, um, you know, it leaves a lot more... Uh, transparency in there and a lot more texture and if you go a little slower it fills it in a little bit more and so it works very much like a, a folded pen does with ink so um that one was kind of like a, one of those happy accidents <laughs> where yeah. I kind of got almost there um accidentally and then I thought oh if I do this specific shape um and you know create it in photoshop and import it into there use that as my shape then maybe I can get this certain effect and after a few tweaks there it was so um so yeah it's fun Jay Wilson says she has all your brushes or he has all your brushes. I don't know. It's just a letter. Jay Wilson. Okay. Love to know where you're from. Um, and she, he or he, she, they use it often and they say, nice job. Krista says, nice. to what degree has the iPad Pro or and Procreate replaced your analog workflow? Um, it depends on the, the project and the ultimate look I'm going for. Um, I pretty much always still finish in an illustrator on the computer. Um, for vector-based artwork, there's not been any substitution for me so far on on that stuff than uh, my mouse and Illustrator. Um, I don't draw in vector on a tablet of any kind or anything like that. I haven't come across any apps on the iPad that do what I want enough to replace any of that part of my workflow. Um, where the iPads come in a lot for me is in the early stages especially and um you know getting a lot of ideas out fast and, and getting that ideation process going and iterating quickly and stuff like that um saves me a ton of time on that sometimes you know if i'm going for something that needs a little bit more of a hand-drawn feel on the end 
um, sometimes I'll utilize a lot of those textures that I built into my brushes and stuff and, um, you know, just get something really clean on, on the iPad. And if it's possible, I'll just do it big enough to use it as final artwork in a couple of cases um, and, and just leave it as is and not do a vector version if, if it's feasible for the, for the project needs. Um, and, you know, otherwise, you know, I'll get it to a certain point and then I'll bring it into Illustrator like I would a normal sketch. Um, I still like to get on paper a lot too because mm. there's some things that a, a pencil can give you that, you know, just don't seem to come as naturally with the digital stuff as fine as you tune those brushes and as, as, as on point as everything is there and as fast it is, as it is for, for iterating. Um, there's certain things I just still can't do with anything but a pencil. So um, it hasn't completely replaced it, but it has um, totally changed my workflow for the better on, on speed, especially if I got a tight deadline. It's been awesome. So before I let you go, because we have like two minutes, I want to I, cool. show one other image if I can get it loaded up. It's from, um, so <laughs> you'll probably be like, Diane, you're so weird that you are. But to <laughs> me, this is one of those things. Let me um, share this. So this is some of the stuff that I love. This is just a, a you have pieces. This is the, uh, the city of the violet crown. Violet, violet? Violet. Violet, violet yeah. crown. <laughs> And it's the way you've just drawn these lines. And I don't know if you're using a ruler, but they are so straight and they're just beautiful. <laughs> and I think that just that filling in, and it's probably just to give you kind of the feel of how this is going to look as it is mm. solid, but it's so beautiful. And I'm so glad you post process shots. I just think sometimes those are just amazing. You have another one, the Valley of the Sun. Um, I think that you, yeah, this one, you, and I think mm -hmm. there's another one where it's the final one, all colored in. Oh, yeah. um, I think stuff like that is really interesting, and I'm so glad that you're showing us stuff like this and the background swooshes that you're putting in, because it is a way to think. But I also think that the reason your brushes are so great is because you know how to use the tools also in sure. person, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's... um. Like I said, it's, a, it's the direct inspiration for a lot of the brushes. And um, I had certain analog tools in mind when I created every one of them. Well, almost every one of them. There's a few that are just totally iPad-centric and <laughs> weren't really from anything, but just kind of ones that I made and liked. But um, but a lot of them, yeah, they're, they're to recreate. Um, one that, There's one that's called Washable that's to recreate a Crayola Washable because that's you know one of my favorite analog lettering tools, as it turns right. out, is Crayola's. Um, and those are kind of catching on as a pretty popular thing, um, you know, across the industry. But, um, you know, I wanted to make one that was similar to that because I love the way that it lays down the, the color. Um, and it's it's got a fade usually from where the point of the, the tip is to the base of it. And I wanted to kind of recreate all that. And, you know, yeah, knowing how to use those and in and, and certain ways, um, very much informed the way I did those brushes. And. I wanted to be able to do some of the same things that I do on paper on the iPad if I'm traveling or if I just want to do something that I would normally do on paper, but um, iterate through ideas quicker with it. And, um, and a lot of those brushes are, are a direct result of, of trying to accomplish that. So um, yeah, if I didn't know how to use those or what those looked like when used a certain way, then 
oh, and been able to come up with those particular things. So. Right. So Lara has a, a comment. She said, your brushes are her favorite, especially the felt pen. Any plans to create more? Is there a way I can make a couple of others respond the way that one does? A darker, more solid brush. So there's definitely wants and needs out there for brushes. And you said you you were also interested in maybe doing some Photoshop brushes as well. Mm -hmm. And Jason Carnes here. He's way late, he says, but hey. What's up, buddy? Yeah, so um, I definitely have uh, interest in, in making more in the future, for sure. Um, these are the ones that, well, let's see. I have 14 brushes in this set. I'd say probably seven or eight of them were ones that I had had created for a long time now and been using for myself and just finally got around to um, putting them up for sale. But then the rest of them were created to kind of flesh out a respectable amount for, for a brush set to sell um, and were kind of like new newer creations. So um, some of them have already given me ideas for, for different kinds of things that I could make in the future. Um, I just kind of was at a point where I wanted to get it out there. Right. So there are a couple like in the chamber, if you will, um, of ones that I could have done you know in the next couple months here once I stop traveling and being a little crazy here and stuff like that but um, definitely we'll have some more coming at some point um, but like I said a lot of these were based on ones that I created like for specific uses and, and things right. like that so um, just a matter of like probably coming across the need to um, create a new one for something else um, to to have another collection to make for available for sale um, I'm not really interested in being in the uh, business of making brushes for a right. substantial part of my income. So, um, like I said, it will kind of just probably stem from needs that I that arise, you know. So I'm sure they will, and I'm sure that I'll create them. And if I do, then I'll sell them. But um, <laughs> yeah, so they'll be there. And if you're following me, you know, around the internet, then you know, I'm sure you'll hear about it when I do. But as of right now, I don't have anything like planned or you know on the verge of being available or anything like that these are the, the best that I have at the moment and right. you know just a nice way to kind of put out there what I'm using so all right so last question want to know where people can find you but also tell them how long have you been doing the podcast because they can also catch your podcast it's curve cast with Ryan Hamrick um, yeah. and you can get it on iTunes or wherever you do Google play or whatever. And so how yeah. long have you been doing that and what's kind of the goal or plan with that one? Yeah, I've wanted to do a podcast for a long time. Um, I've been listening to podcasts for a pretty short while, actually just for the last two or three years, maybe. Um, I think since I've been in Austin, actually, like when I first started actually getting into them. So not very long. Um, but ever since then, I've wanted to do something myself. Um, just, super fascinating obviously you know you've been doing a show for, for years now and it's a ton of fun um and i don't know it, it took me a while to kind of figure out what i wanted to do because i didn't want to do just a, a typical interview podcast necessarily where i just ask lettering artists the same questions that they've been asked a million times you know it's right. kind of hard to come up with unique uh and interesting things to talk about with people necessarily if you're just doing an interview about them so what I decided to do is kind of make it just um, more like some of the, the news and politics podcasts that I've been completely consumed with for the last half a year or more last year um, where, you know, a current event happens or something is, is hot right now in, in our industry or whatever. And I think of somebody that I want to talk to about that thing and then have them on there, whether that be a 
project that they specifically are working on um, or something that's going on in the industry and I have somebody in mind that I think would have a very interesting take on that, um, I want to talk to them about it. Um, I've only been doing it, there's only four episodes out right now, and the fourth one is a very short one, um, giving an update on this tour <laughs> from before we started it. And I brought along some mobile recording stuff that I invested in right before we left um, to kind of do some some recording on the road for some things, uh, including some insight and experiences from the kids even um, while we're on this trip. And, you know, I've yet to post anything since we've been traveling, but we're kind of still getting our bearings a little bit. Right. Um, and we'll have some time like in, in Indiana, for instance, where we'll be stationary for a little while. I and mean, maybe we can do a little bit more of that and I can have a little more time to actually put something together. Um, one of the things that I've um, taken the most care with with this is the production value of it. I don't have a lot of experience with that or anything, but um, I do know what I like from a lot other podcasts and have a, a certain level of taste in podcasts that I've developed over the last year or so of really getting into them. So um, I've been spending a lot of time on each one. That's why I didn't it want sounds, to go. It sounds awesome. It's really good okay. quality. Okay. The music... Um, it's nothing that I do because I don't have time, but I really appreciate it. Also, it really sets a tone and it has a really good feel. So definitely you guys should check out curve cast with Ryan Hamrick and um, they can also follow you on Twitter and Instagram at Hamrick H A M R I C K. And then they can always uh, check out your website, couple websites, uh, Ryan Hamrick.com and, um, Curves Ahead, C-U-R-V-E-S-A-H-E-A-D, tour, T-O-U-R.com. And um, then they can also, with Brooke, they can do shop with Brooke. Brooke with an E on the end? Yes, ma'am. Brooke.com. Okay, great. So is there any other way that people could get in touch with you or follow you uh, other platforms where you're pretty active? Sure. Well, the, um, the whole... Um you know, foundation of this whole tour and the workshop series and stuff, especially has been uh, handling the curve, which has been started as a medium publication a few years ago. Right. Um, I just kind of created it to have a place to write about design and life as it pertains to them, I think is the tagline of it. Um, but I kind of always had in mind a little bit more for it, um, including motorcycles, <laughs> including the podcast um, that I eventually wanted to do as a part of that. Um, and including um, online resource sites and stuff like that. And this workshop series is a part of that umbrella as well. Um, this is the Handling the Cur Curve workshop series um, as part of this tour that includes my wife too. Mm -hmm. um, so handlingthecurve.com will actually currently still take you to the Medium publication, um, which has a lot of uh, old articles that, I, that I've written about design and lettering in, in particular in a few cases and things like that. But um, Sooner than later, that's going to house a lot more, including um, probably like a annual, very inexpensive membership site for lettering resources and stuff. Cool. Um, all in all, the, the main goal of all this is to make learning how to letter a little bit easier and more accessible to more people. Um, because when I started out, there was very little out there, unless you had the ability to travel to some places like San Francisco, New York, what have you, and, um, and take these legit courses that people who are doing this professionally were teaching and um, you know me having a family and kids at the time and not being in one of those places made it a lot harder just from the get-go to, to figure this stuff out for myself so the whole idea is to make that a little bit easier and, and have a place where people can learn a little bit better so 
handlingthecurve.com. One to bookmark for the future, if nothing else. Definitely. Well, Ryan, thanks so much for giving our first uh, on-the-go um, <laughs> transmission, <sickness>. I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, it's been great. And thank you guys, everybody who's come. I know, uh, just so you know, Jay Wilson is Jana and she's in Northwest oh, Arkansas. Sure. I okay. know about Jana. Yeah. Okay. So I just wanted to make sure because I, she had told us later or, or earlier or whatever. Anyway, so sure. Ryan, thanks so much again just for doing it. I appreciate you doing the middle of this tour. I can't wait to hear about how the tour goes because I think you would like to maybe do something if it goes well and your kids are still talking to you at the end i think maybe you got you and brooke would like to do this again in the summers in the it's future possible. it's possible for sure we're either go really well and we'll do it every year or we'll never <laughs> do it again probably so we'll see <laughs> well um thank you again remember to follow ryan go to ryan's all the websites so handling the curve.com curves ahead tour.com and you still have plenty of other uh so curves ahead tour.com slash workshops with an S at the end and they can right. sign up for a workshop in New York or Pittsburgh or I think you're even going to do another one in Austin once you get home right yes um, that one hasn't been planned necessarily but uh, the loose idea is to kind of book in the tour with Austin workshops and a lot more in Austin moving forward too now that I've kind of broken the seal and, and started doing workshops now it's going to be a, a regular thing for sure especially at home so um, yeah, so we've got tickets still available for Denver tonight, even in a couple hours. Um, and then we go to St. Louis, um, Chicago, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, New York City, Washington, D.C., and Atlanta, all still available. Um, and with the exception of New York, um, all have locations and are, are ready to go. So, um, yeah, check them and out. The dates if you're in one of those all, places are close. Yeah. The dates are all, you can go to ryanhamrick.com and click on workshops as well and see all the dates for the, all, all the different cities that he mentioned. So yep. get your tickets, very affordable. You can do the, the double one or you can do just the single. The double one is limited space, right? If you're doing the full right. four hours. People. Right. So I can't wait to hear how it goes, Ryan. Thanks again so much. And just so you guys know, if you want to, um, you're new to Design Recharge, it's every week um, on the 5th. Sometime in a five-week month, I try to do something called a rapid recharge, which that's going to be next week. I think there might have been two rapid recharges this month because I was, I was launching something as well, the Recruiting Creatives. So if you haven't heard about that, two podcasts ago, or three maybe, I can't remember. I think it was three podcasts ago. This is episode 220. It was, um, they're eating and you're like dying of thirst and everything. So oh, thank you. I, I appreciate it. Just, uh, you can always, um, email me at Diane at recharging you.com if you want more information and, um, hopefully I'll see you guys next week. It is a rapid recharge. Um, I'm prepping for WMC fest which I'm a Q&A MC and I get to give a talk too. So I'm real nice. excited about that. So hopefully I'll see you guys in Cleveland. You can get your tickets too for that. That's August. I think you'll be back home, Ryan, um, August uh, 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th, something like that. I'll probably so, be heading to Boston for TypeCon, which I'll oh, be yeah. teaching a iPad lettering workshop at if anybody's going to be there. Cool. Those tickets are available on TypeCon's website too. So. Awesome. I'll make sure I put that in the show notes as well. So cool. we'll see everybody next week. Ryan, have a great time. I love Denver. I miss Denver. So tell all my Denver 
friends hello and um Krister, i'm glad you won and you get to go tonight so yeah, yeah, yeah. thanks for coming today and ryan just thanks again i'm so glad i can't wait to meet you in person someday but yes thank you for taking me with your family in the on the trip thank you very much for having me. it's always a good time <laughs> it is ryan have a good lunch you too thank you bye bye